Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, hey, how you doing? How come I'm hearing myself coming back at me? As I am. Still am. Ah, uh, hello, hello, hello. Echo, echo, echo. No, I'm hearing myself come back. Not a auspicious beginning here. <laughs> Yesterday we had somebody talking on the phone, and today I've got me talking a split second after myself. There, I think I the second me has stopped. Hey, hello. God. Um. I've always loved doing live, uh, live stuff, being on air live because, well, put a bumper sticker, shit happens, and uh, it it keeps you on your toes, and or uh, makes you crazy. Um, anyway, I believe my sister Susan is joining us because it is, after all, Tuesday. Hello, Susan. Hello, hello. hello. I even got the. Uh, Nine o'clock appointment taken care of. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> Susan's back. We're, we're trading places all the time. Susan's back in Green Bay. Handling the and appointments they, my sister set up for me. <laughs> Actually, I set that one up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Jeez. So, right. So, that's everything's cool. Everything is. Here's a word that I remember hearing I probably in the 60s, and I didn't know what it meant. And I don't hear it anymore. Uh, eventually, I didn't know what it meant. But do you hear the word copacetic? I knew you were going to say copacetic. Everything's copacetic. <laughs> yeah, but what is that word? And I why just did thought just that meant, I, I mean, I just, it was always used in the context of everything's cool. Everything's okay. Okay. Everything's, okay. everything's right, satisfying. Right. Nothing's rumpled. It's everything's copacetic. Well, but I didn't. You want to get that doorbell? Yeah, I'm going to send mother to do it. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, copacetic. And I, I, I think I was in college when I heard it, and I thought, what? I always like to think that I know words, and I had never heard of it. But I never heard it since. Does anybody use it? I'm just asking you. I'm looking it up real quick. No, fast. I think it went out, you know, with the era. I mean, other Hope words. Said it. Okay, I'm, here it is. In excellent order. In excellent order. Uh, that's all it says. But it, it 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 used to be used, and now it doesn't seem to be anymore. And it's fine with me. I never liked it. I don't know why. I guess I didn't like it because I didn't know what it meant. Well, it always, it just, you know, it just seemed like a silly word. Well, <laughs> all right. I don't even, I was not intending to talk. I have not thought of copacetic in a million years. Well, the funny did. thing is, is when you started your sentence, I knew exactly you what you were going to say. Yeah, well, so... Because the other words that are from the era all still get used. I mean, there's just a whole generation that will always say that things are cool, you know. And yeah, you know, I think even though rad went out, cool didn't. Well, maybe, but it might depend on. It just might be that I'm old and I still say cool. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. I had a friend who used to say cool beans, and I, I never had heard that before, cool beans. And then somebody tweeted it at me the other day. That was another come from the, you know, blast from the past, cool beans. So, uh, hey, hey, was it talk? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so my dog is as happy as a clam in the first snowfall in Wisconsin. And not I, the first snowfall. I had a snowfall. Oh, his first snowfall in Wisconsin. Right. 
And I put I put on those good old trekkers on my sh- shoes, and off we set because yeah. it was slippery. And of course, he sees it, and he starts jumping on me and going, "We should run, Mom. We should be puppies." <laughs> well, there is something about snow that uh, most dogs love. I suppose there are some that that don't, and I love it. I think it's so beautiful. No, it is. I always... It was fun. We took a we we took a uh, a long walk this morning. I came back and went. Oh, it's a quarter to nine, which means <laughs> I made yeah. it. Anyway, okay, what are you talking about today? I tried to read something to talk about, and I just kept sliding off into uh, advice columnists, and and I did read an article about Josephine Baker. Do you know that she's going to be? uh, Yes. Yes. She will be the first black woman installed in the French, whatever that is. Well, well, she's not installed. I think she's going to be reinterred. Oh, they're reinterring her too. Right, right. Big deal. I mean, big deal. It just put a different sense on installed. (laughs) Uh, Oh. It's like a Justin Baker tile. (laughs) To honor her, she will be dug up and buried with a bunch of white folks. Yeah, with Victor Hugo. We'll see how she likes it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um... The one thing I saw today that uh, that interested me, because I'm sitting in a place, as are you, where COVID cases continue to spread and are way up beyond where they were at better times in this pandemic. They've never gone down uh, in Brown County. I can't figure out how they haven't run out of folks by now. Yeah, yeah, you do start to wonder, who are all these hundreds of people who are still being infected? But here, too. And I saw that New York City yesterday had no, not a single death from COVID in a city that size, not a single death. And more than 90% of New Yorkers are fully vaccinated. Well, you know, if you are a New Yorker, and your life depends on that city in a way that other people don't depend on the cities to be working. New York has to work. And in order for New York to work, it has to be vaccinated. You can't have Broadway. You can't have the, I mean, that's our cultural capital of the, of the country and it's been closed down and everybody wants it open. Their, their office buildings are closed. They're, everything that they are about is in danger. You, they'd have to be nuts. Now, it's only their police officers and their firemen. It's more firemen than cops, but that's been taken care of because the mandate was uh, right. Because they said just do it, and lo and behold, they then did it. Very few of them left their employ, which of course had been threatened. Um, But uh, no, it's it's about when you live in a a densely that's dense population, and uh, so urban areas in particular. You've you've just gotta be vaccinated. Well, and I you, you know I get the same sense in Chicago. I get the same sense in Chicago. I mean, there are pockets which is, where it's not that way, but uh, Chicago is in large part very vaccinated and functioning. Therefore, same thing. <clears throat> well, but I, you know, theaters you have to have. You can't get into a theater without a vaccination card or or a negative test. You know, you just they. They're not interested in getting sick, and they're not interested in coddling anybody. That They don't care if you don't want a vaccine. That's fine. Don't sit in our audience. Do you know how easy it'd be to fake a vaccination card? I know. I, th- I can't believe that they look the way they do. I mean, I am not, uh, you know, necessarily good at counterfeiting, but I, I could easily... Yeah, my Easily. fake ID when I was 15 was better than, you know, we would would took more yeah, effort so, than one of these things. So, um, I, I, I don't mean, know. you just, I don't uh, think yeah, yeah it's amazing to me. It's is, just cardstock with, with anybody's signature on it. <laughs> also, the lack, the lack of, uh, 
of testing kits available to people in their homes. Uh, I just uh, read that there are now two states, Colorado being one, I think New Hampshire is the other one, that are mailing test kits to every, the state is mailing home test kits to every household. There you go. That's a start. But they should be readily available. Um, anyway, whatever. This is our lives now. I guess we'll get better at it as uh, as we go. God, almighty. well, as long and, and it, we're going to be in this, especially until someone figures out that this is not a political issue. This is a health issue. No, that's well, but that's not going to be figured out because there are too many people who have an agenda. In well, hopefully the Republicans kill will kill their whole base and it will, it will save them. the nation. <laughs> no, their whole thing is they want Biden to fail and they're pointing at him now as being responsible for, for this, the fact that COVID continues to spread when it's them who, are who refuse to get vaccinated, who are but spreading they the disease. It, they do it to, to, help Biden fail. That's that's all they want to do. Um they know how to they know how to get power. I read something so unsettling today. Not surprising, just unsettling to be reminded um of it. And um I believe I saw this in the Washington Post that here's where I say they they as opposed to our side. They are ceaseless. They are dogged. They never stop. And they work from the lowest points of power all the way up. So what are Republicans very busily doing all over the country right now, including here in Pennsylvania, in the battleground states especially? In In Wisconsin, too, yes. And right, they are making sure that if in 2024 we have another you know who contested election which of course we will have because the republicans will contest any election they lose uh that the people that are in charge of the counting are republicans and are republicans who will be good republicans So they have gone after and are going after every little local voting judges, local voting inspectors. They have knocked off canvassing boards in Michigan and replaced them through appointments by people who would not. Who will lie and cheat and steal to to steal the election. who Who would not have done what the Georgia Secretary of State did and spurned the president's uh, call to, you know, fix the vote. And they're doing this locally all over the country. Says here in two Pennsylvania communities, (laughs) excuse me, candidates who had embraced election fraud, fraud allegations have now won races. This last month, we had an election here. They won races to become local voting judges. Sorry. So, that almighty. So they will be in place. And that's happening all over the country. So next time, Republicans won't bump into uh, 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 Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who is, you know, he's Post. He's done. And they have they could pull down some of the what they're doing is pulling down the guardrails that prevented Trump from overturning Biden's win. Right. So they don't stop. Our side stops all the time. We just sit and wring our hands. These guys work. Yeah, well, and we have stopped. We can't even make it from from 
the uh, presidential election cycle to the midterm cycle without being too tired to keep trying. Yeah. You got a woman running for secretary of state, a black woman running for secretary of state in Michigan. And she's full on Trump. And she says voters need to scrutinize the election process. And, of course, she's running for the position that would put her at the top of it in that battleground state. Um, So few states, they say, have seen more fervor in this replacing of election officials than in Michigan. So that's the one the Republicans have really targeted. We're seeing some of it here in Pennsylvania But it is unsettling, as I said, not surprising, but truly unsettling. This is all being fueled, by the way, by a guy who is currently um, has been charged by the Justice Department, Stephen Bannon. Mm -hmm. He calls this. He has this is their game plan. He calls it the precinct strategy. And it's his, and they've got money, and they've got people doing this work. They want to take over every level of the Republican Party, from statewide office holders to volunteer poll watchers to local committee members. I will quote Bannon here from just two weeks ago. We're taking over school boards. Yeah, we're taking over the Republican Party through this precinct committee strategy. We're taking over all the elections. And we're going to continue that. And we're going to get to the bottom of 3 November. And we're going to decertify the electors. And we're going to have a constitutional crisis. But you know what? We're a big, tough country and we'll handle that. This is Pete. This is just such a shoot 'em. Excuse me. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, really, this uh, is a traitor. This is a traitor who is announcing his plans to create a constitutional crisis to subvert the next election. Yeah, arrest him. They, the Republicans, I'm, I'm just. Uh, he's again, announced the, the conspiracy. He's told you that it's in place. He's told you it's working. Arrest them. The Republican Party is also growing its election day poll watching operation into a permanent infrastructure, fully staffed with attorneys and organizers, 365 days a year. And targeted states will have their own director focusing on recruiting, training, and deploying volunteers and poll watchers. Folks, they are actively setting up stealing the next election. You know, making I was, sure it goes to them. The Justice Department really needs to start moving and moving fast. Stop with all this deliberation. Start. You can deliberate after you bring charges. You build the case after you bring charges, but you bring charges swiftly. Swiftly. You know, but consequences. They don't. They don't. They're all acting. Well, you do on or, you know you do on usual. lower levels of the justice system. That's exactly how it works. I, I it, this is just crazy. The fact that all of this January sixth that this thing went down, and yeah, we've got we've got prosecutions of the minor characters, but the people that actually created it, come on. And the American people want this; they need to see it. It's important. Let me just um, end this. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to you know upset any of you with this information, Uh, but a a leading Democratic election lawyer said that we damn well better pay attention to what these pro-Trump forces are doing because they are actively taking over the local workings of elections. By the way, guys, that's where elections happen. That's it. 
The votes are counted for a presidential race right here at the county level, right? And he's saying, this is happening. They're taking over wherever they can. And it is at that level where the system held last time when they attempted to intimidate these same people, these same positions, and enough of them held. So Joe Biden is in the White House. And this Democratic lawyer, Mark Elias, says the closest call was not on the floor of the House or on the floor of the Senate or on the January 6th. The closest call was at the Wayne County, that's Michigan, canvassing board where Republicans tried to intimidate their appointees not to certify the results. It didn't work. But guess what? Those two are gone now, and it is a different board that will certify whatever they're told to certify. Wayne County, that's Detroit. That's like a big, big, big Democratic vote. And God help us. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Frightening. Yep. Yeah. All right. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it one bit. It won't. I no, it won't work. If the Democrat wins, the Democrat will win. You watch and see. Mark my fucking words. I'm so sick of hearing this bullshit. You watch and see. That's all I got to say. Have a good day. Goodbye. I hope it's true. Well, uh-uh. wishful thinking. I don't think Our they're going to, I mean, if, if he, it might come out all right in the end. I don't think it's going to come out without effort, you know, and without a lot of pushback from from what they're going to try not. and do. They're announcing they're going to do it. They're not only announcing, they're in the process of doing it and have been since the last election. They are indefatigable because they're zealots. They are... They got fire in their bellies. God, help us. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, here's something I like, just to add a little levity. Uh, There was a big game. I think this was in Ann Arbor. Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, that's obviously a huge uh, rivalry. And uh, the Michigan Attorney General, Uh, was at the game. Her name is Dana Nessel. And um, she was so into the game that she had to be taken out of the game in a wheelchair. She had been drinking so much that her, as it was called, assisted exit was necessary the attorney general said, so as to prevent me from vomiting on any of my constituents. Well, oh, I thought that was funny. (laughs) That was for a little break that the attorney general of Michigan had to be taken out of the Michigan, Michigan state game be cut in a wheelchair because she was, because she was so drunk. I don't, I think that's disgusting. (laughs) Why? Listen, you get into a game sometimes, who knows? I don't. Uh, And what is this? I cannot believe I even read this United airlines is uh, resuming sales of liquor. In economy class, God, this is at the thank same time. I haven't comp- flown. I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> Can you imagine that this? I mean, this is what. The, no wonder people you've have got been all this air off. rage. Yeah. No. Well. <laughs> well. 
know. So you're going to fuel some of these. No, no, no. I understand. They stopped serving alcohol because they didn't want to fuel the outrage, but they are neglecting the whole 80% of travelers who are so stressed out that they need a drink to get through the flight. I don't think it's that high a number. You can get a drink before you take a, I don't know, you figure out a way to, you know, spirit your own spirits onto the, onto the flight. But I mean, when there's all this air rage going on, you're going to fuel that. And not only that, when you're not, you're not mandating that anyone who gets on that plane be Isn't vaccinated. Right. right. No, be vaccinated. Why would you? I mean, you're you're supposed to be wearing a mask. You got people stuck in a tube for hours, cheek to jowl, and you're going to give them alcohol so that they can remove their masks and drink, and they could be carrying COVID. I mean, we are. I go back to what Chris Potter said a million years ago. It is just, it is the go-to statement. We are an unserious people living in very serious times. And he said that years ago. Well, no idea how serious the times times we're going to get. Right. Wow. Wow. Jeez. All right. As you can tell, I don't have a lot of. Happy no, I haven't flown. I was, well, you've at least flown in the last year. I haven't flown since 2019. I think that's. I've gotten on four flights. That was one trip requiring, you know, back and forth right. and a change both ways. But, yeah, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel comfortable. And I'm blown, blown away by the number of people I know who are flying and living their lives and going overseas and all this stuff. Oh, God. Anyway, um, I was reading about this despicable human, uh, Lauren Boebert, God, who, uh, you know, regales audiences by making up stories about uh, Ilan Omar, her congressional colleague, who is a Muslim. Um, and she, the first comment was up. that she was in an elevator with her and decided it was okay because she didn't have a backpack. That's her big laugh line at her fundraisers. Yeah. Well, uh, I was thinking, who, if you were to rank, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I never do because I never rank things. But really, you because here's why it's impossible. If you were to rank the most despicable Republicans in Washington right now. How do you even begin? They're all tied at the bottom. I mean, you know, how do you begin? Well, I started making a list. And I, I mean, yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, you have to give them extra weight given how much power they have. So, okay, Kevin McCarthy. Okay, yeah. well then, Mitch McConnell. McConnell. Okay, McConnell, McCarthy, uh, Jim Jordan, who we haven't heard from a lot. He's been eclipsed by even yeah, more he's, he can't be as he's not even he's nowhere near as awful as these people. Also, I think that he's getting a little nervous. They might come back after him for, you know, this uh, sexual, you know, his wrestling career. I don't think so. If that hasn't gotten him yet, it ain't going to. He stonewalled through that one. Okay. But I mean, really, this is a party that contains, you know, Gosar, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobart. Bob, whatever the f- and and, and Matt, Matt Gates, yeah, and and, Matt and, and 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 who's that awful man who's uh, whose uh, siblings all disowned him? Gosar, uh, I yeah, Gosar. Oh, Gosar, you said him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I you can't, you know, Trump brought in a a, a clown car. This is not a clown car. This is uh, this is frightening, horrible human beings who are intent 
on upsetting everything, everything, and taking over. They're frightening. All right, I'll stop. But I'm back. Here I get. Oh, guess who's running? You know, remember the 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 guy Trump um, endorsed in the Republican primary for Senate in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Who did the? Yeah. Well, he's now out of the picture because of his lost child custody case. Right. He and, said he took himself uh, out. Right. Yeah. So now all these repulsive Republicans are scrambling around trying to uh, be the next one that Trump might uh, anoint. And do you know who has it's been rumored, but it's going to actually happen. I'm stunned. Dr. Oz has said he's jumping in. When we're talking about despicable human beings, he's one of them. He's one of them. That's why he's a perfect fit. So Dr. Oz, who, by the way, does not live in Pennsylvania. Not that that should worry anybody. His in-laws. His in-laws live in Pennsylvania, and um, he has already changed his uh, voting residency to his in-laws' house in Pennsylvania. But he doesn't live there. But he has to. You have to to establish residency. You have to live in the place, and you have to leave the place where your actual residency is for a specified amount of time. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Unbelievable. This is a snake oil salesman. This is, by the way, thank you. Thank you, Oprah. When you think of the the people that Oprah unleashed on us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dr. Oz was one. And what was the other? Dr. Phil. Phil. Another. I, I, and all, I mean, Dr. Phil is just uh, amazing that, you know, that he is the face of mental health to a uh, to, he's a showman. It, he's a he, I mean, oil he's, he's a snake oil salesman, and Doctor Oz may have once been a doctor, but he turned into a snake oil salesman, and now he's just a TV guy. And it's, uh, it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, God. Well, at least Matthew McConaughey decided not to bother trying to win the Democratic. Uh, contest in Texas for Texas governor, because that was, uh, everybody was thinking that was a done deal. And I guess it was Beto O'Rourke jumping in that people got to Matthew McConaughey and said, hey, butt out. Or or he decided, hey, man, maybe I'd have to work. (laughs) But this shows the, the, the level. Of our well, you started out this segment I, I, with with the proper quote. We are not a serious people. And on a positive note, the Supreme Court is taking up Roe v. Wade. Oh yeah, that's happening tomorrow. Um, this is the Mississippi case that they that that. A lot of people think we'll give them the ability to, if not overturn it, eviscerate it to the point of no return. Uh, That is the case out of Mississippi, and it's about whether or not Mississippi's ban on abortions after 15 weeks uh, will hold. And this court is overwhelmingly anti-abortion. Six to three. We know six of the justices are anti-abortion. Six to three. Um, We'll see. We also know from polling that two-thirds of Americans want Roe v. Wade to stay. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Michelle Goldberg pointed something out that I'm sure many of you have have recognized as well. Sorry, Nina. Okay. 
One of the things you see on the right now with the jerks who won't get vaccinated, and you see them holding signs saying, my body, my choice, right? Right. You see them? The, right. The right-wingers, my body, my choice. That's, a, that's, a, that's what people supporting abortion rights, that's the sign they've been holding for decades. My body, my choice. So what's fascinating is at this very moment that Roe v. Wade could be overturned, the American right, the anti-abortion, I mean, the, 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 the pro-abortion, God damn it, Colin, the anti-abortion right is all of a sudden itself obsessed with bodily autonomy. And they do not want a vaccine. They do not want to have to wear a mask because it's their bodies. But what's so fascinating is that they only see that in terms of themselves. They believe they should not have any state-mandated imposition on their own bodies. But they've got no problem imposing them on women. These same, once a woman is pregnant, according to these sign-carrying, my body, my choice folks, as soon as a woman gets pregnant, her body is no longer hers. It belongs to the state. Um, so you have Susan. Susan, I think she put herself on mute because there was a lot of might have dropped off. <coughs> and uh, Goldberg uh, quotes. The uh, feminist Ellen Willis, who once said the central question in the abortion debate is not whether a fetus is a person, but whether a woman is. Simple as that. Because in our society, it is true. People do not have their bodies appropriated by the state. You know, when the Red Cross starts begging for blood because blood supplies are low, uh, the state doesn't come knocking on our doors and saying, uh, you have got, we need your blood, you're a type we need, and we're, because for the public health, we're going to take some of your blood. We, I think, would find that unimaginable. Yes, I'm back. But, yes, okay. But, but when a woman becomes pregnant, these same Republicans who now find it a horrific violation of their bodily integrity to have to put a piece of cloth on their face have no problem telling a woman that she must go through with a pregnancy that she does not want. Producing a child she may not be able to care for. But, you know, even, even since the Texas uh, law went into effect, there has been a woman who needed a therapeutic abortion who couldn't get it and she and the baby both died so okay great no it's happened of course and that texas law is thanks to the supreme court still in effect abortion is essentially illegal in texas still now unbelievable well, so, it, get, the, the, the practical effect, whether you know whatever happens, the practical effect is the states where abortion is already available and accessible 
um, will continue to have abortion available and accessible. And the states that have already made it impossible, it will continue to be impossible. Um, Well, the minute if the court, you're right, and if the court does uh, essentially toss out Roe with this case that they're taking tomorrow, uh, abortion would instantly become illegal in 12 states for sure Mm -hmm. because there are 12 states that have passed laws that say if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned, then abortion is illegal here immediately. So that would be a whole bunch of states. Um, And you can't have, I mean, whatever. I don't understand. You will not be able to get an abortion in a lot of states in the Midwest, a lot, almost all the states in the South. Um, if we do not reelect a, uh, a Democratic governor in this state, uh, abortion will be illegal in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, it's something. Well, and, uh, you know, to that end, the places where it is legal have been gearing up, you know, knowing and trying to figure out how to get women to the places that they need to get to, to, uh, be able to control their own bodies. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. Well, it would require yeah, an I... incredible, incredible infrastructure and money yeah. because women would have to be flown. No, we got to like have an underground railroad for crying out loud to get people out and to get them back in. It's it's really it's amazing. Well, I'll tell you this, the right never cedes power. And think of Roe v. Wade. What was that, 1973? Mm-hmm. They have not stopped fighting for this. And, it, and a lot of times you would say it's a fool's errand they're on. It's over. That's what we would say. They never saw it that way. And they have managed, again, this doggedness, Mitch McConnell's doggedness and shamelessness, not allowing Barack Obama to appoint a justice. Stop and think about that. So that Donald Trump, who was in office for four years, appointed a full third of this court. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the country isn't working, and nope. and and I don't understand how we couldn't stop McConnell all this time when when what he's doing to me is just treasonous. Well, you were mentioning treason before when I mentioned uh, Steve Bannon. And I want to read something that the editor-in-chief of uh, The Week magazine said about Steve Bannon, if I may, because I thought it was so, so dead on. He says, sure, go ahead, laugh at Steve Bannon, snigger at his unkempt, soup kitchen Look and his multiple layers of uh, dress shirts. Roll your eyes at his rhetoric. Uh, and he goes on. I'm, I'm trying to edit this as I go. But the reality is it is Bannon who helped launch and shape a decade ago what is we see now coming to fruition. And that is this racist, misogynistic, rabidly anti-immigrant, nationalistic, what is now the Republican Party. And he did it through a website, Breitbart.com. And then in 2015, looking at Donald Trump, he said, huh, and actually There's a quote that Steve Bannon said about Donald Trump around that time. 
He is a blunt instrument for us. Yeah. So Steve Bannon recognized that with Trump in the front, he could pull this off. And, of course, he was awarded with uh, the job of uh, chief strategist. And then there was that falling out. And then he committed fraud over uh, uh, some effort to build a wall um, that had nothing to do with the government. No, no, they were just they just got into the grifting game with the Trumps, (laughs) with the grifters. And then he was pardoned. He was arrested. Trump pardoned him. That's one of the pardons. And then after the pardon of Trump. The pardon of Bannon. Bannon, he, Bannon, rejoins the Trump inner circle. And he's part of who this editor-in-chief calls the war room of loons and opportunists who told the humiliated president that the election indeed had been stolen from him and that the results could be overturned. And on his podcast, the day before the insurrection, January 5th podcast, Bannon advised his army of listeners, quote, strap in, all hell's about to break loose. And the editor of the week says, what did he know? about the attack on the Capitol the next day. What did he know? Naturally, Bannon has refused to testify because with his Volk behind him, the folk, he need not bow to the elite silly laws and subpoenas. We're going to go on offense he told his listeners. And the, and, and the fact is, we have learned that all this terrible stuff, we've learned of the extent of efforts to strong arm Pence before he went. I mean, he was literally being told, you either do that or you're a dead man. I mean, he really was. Right. He wouldn't get into a car driven by his security team. Because he was afraid they were going to disappear him. That's why he huddled in a garage during it. He was not even unbelievable. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, why was the all the potential warning, the warnings of of violence ignored by capital law enforcement, by the FBI? There are so many questions that remain. Here's one I didn't even know was a question. How did the rioters appear to know which Capitol windows had not been modernized and would be easy to breach? Well, I mean, they've said from the beginning that there was inside you know, help. And there were those same Congress people that we named at the top of of this particular conversation who were leading tours to these people in the days before when there were no such tours allowed. That is correct. You had the senator from Missouri, Howley, giving, you know, a raised fist uh, to them. They were aided and abetted by People inside. It's Holly. It's it's more like Holly, not Howley. Well, uh, in, in, in Missouri parlance, Well, he's <laughs> he's a frightening. He's character. he is. If you, is. When we're talking despicable, you got to add him to the list. Yeah, you, you got to add him. And here's the thing, you know, he is what uh, Harvard educated. These guys are, you know, they've got the. He was Stanford and Harvard, and he was, of course, private schooled uh, in in high school, and and now he's a man of the people. Yes, that's right. And I was reading about that that uh, buffoon uh, senator from Louisiana, Kennedy. Um, 
who is like Foghorn Leghorn. Right. Exactly. He, too, has the elite credentials. You wouldn't know it. Even when he talks, well, I mean, he, he was he was interrogating some poor woman who Biden has put up for a position. I'm not even sure which. She was born in, I think, uh, China. And as a kid in China, she belonged to the little communist youth right. And he's drilling into her. And did you belong to a? I mean, he sounded like Joe McCarthy. Um, and he also, he's like, I mean, these people are Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Rhodes Scholars, uh, rich as holy hell. Yeah. Well, by the way, did you hear, did you, this is just an aside, dear sister, but did you hear that, uh, 50% of Harvard's incoming class is, uh, in one sense or another legacy, um, either through donors or the and um, or and and that uh, less than eighty percent of those people would qualify to be admitted any other way. Ah, so uh, getting into Harvard uh, has more to do with who your mommy and daddy are than your brain. Fifty percent of the underclass, yes. So I guess next time somebody says, well, my son's at Harvard or my daughter's a graduate of Harvard, don't necessarily think, oh, well, they must be so bright. No, they might be just rich, right? Right. And Harvard, despicably, too, there's another despicable institution, has an endowment that would easily allow it to have no tuition, none. They could open up, they could take in every ingenious, poor student all over the country next year, tell all the legacies to go pound salt and bring in the best of the best, uh, but, pe- but who would not be able to afford it. They could let them all in. Uh, the choices that these institutions make uh, which are all about safeguarding their own wealth and right. growing, growing their own wealth when they don't need any more wealth, when they could turn around and use the wealth to do what supposedly they're there to do, which is educate. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Okay, I, well, I you know, Washington that. University was like that. And they used to come and ask for money. And, of course, my husband was one of those people that would give it. And I would just look at them and go, what for? So you can buy yeah. more property and take it off the rolls of the of University City and kill their public schools? What for? Yeah. There, I, there was a story in um, – there was a story in, I don't know where I read it today, about a guy in Florida who teaches, well, he's not quite a teacher. They have a position of paraprofessional in the district, and they are essentially teacher's assistants. Mm-hmm. And this guy is a divorced father of three. The students love this guy. They love him. His name is Charles Peacock. He loves the work. He appeared before the school board the other day. And he was, this is in Daytona Beach. And this is part of what he said. I myself, like most others, have to work multiple jobs in order to simply scrape by. I put in 80-plus hours each week, every week, between four jobs to barely make it. After four years with the county, and he's talk, I think he's talking about them, yeah. with, uh, I make a minimum salary which equates to less than $1,000 per month. I personally have been made homeless. He sleeps in his car. 
mm-hmm. at least one of your employees, one who is great at his job, who's been nominated for Para of the Year, who loves his students beyond measure, is homeless, living out of his car, crashing on couches from time to time, getting showers at friends' houses. I dare you to look me in the eyes right here, right now, and tell me that that's okay. That was November 9th. He's still making the same amount of money. They have not raised. uh, And listen to what he does. He gets up at 7. He's at school by 8. He's done by 4. Then he's off to a local, local bar where he works security. And that gig ends between midnight and 2 a.m. He umpires youth baseball games on the weekends. And all of those, I don't know where he sleeps. He's sleeping in in his car car. for four hours. Yeah, but I mean, how long he can sleep. He's done at 2 and he's up again at 7. And He's making somewhere between twenty-two to twenty-five thousand each year, and it's not enough for him to have a home because he has to pay child for his support. Children. Yep. Yeah. What kind of a country is this? And he said he looked and saw that he could, like, be sell cars at a dealership, maybe, you know, make a lot more money. He said, but I would – he loves teaching. He loves teaching. He loves this job. He just happened upon it. Some guy who he was, uh, you know, on his kid's Little League team thought he seemed like such a great teacher with the kids in Little League – um, said, you know, you'd make a great, you know, paraeducator or whatever they're called. And bango, he sure did. I, 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 you know, you read these stories and you know there's a million more stories yeah. like this. Well, but, you know, they, the, the board can't just raise his salary. You know, they have to raise the salary for everybody in the thing and in order to do that they have to have the budget to do it and in order to do that the populace has to raise their own taxes i mean this is uh this is a problem i we we claim to be a country that that cherishes our children that insists that they be born and yet we do not care we do not pay the people that we expect to take care of our children for us because most of us have to work. So there have to, we don't pay those people anything and we don't pay their teachers anything. And now they're taking such abuse from these <clears throat> deplorable parents. No. You know, it, it, yeah. Why should well, they? It, it, it's just, yeah. you know, I, we, we, we are a nation that, that proclaims to have values, that we have no intention of lifting a finger to implement support or, or live. It's just bullshit. I want to say this, uh, that um, after this meeting, this guy was flooded with offers of for housing, jobs, even GoFundMe fundraiser. He turned down everything. Of course. That except wasn't the point. Offer, except an offer uh, to rent a room in a fellow uh, school employee's house. So he's doing that, and he now knows where he will be able to sleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're looking at the we're looking at the dissolution and the devolution of uh, what was a great democratic experiment. But it's going down, guys. And it's frightening to be here when it's happening. I, I I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't. You can't whitewash it. I. It's just that's the way it is. 
God help us. All right. Well, All right. That well I got to go talk to Bino the plumber. <laughs> the plumber's there, too? Yeah, that's what that ruckus was. Uh, oh, 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 okay. Well, he's going to put the water filter on. Right. Wonderful. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Suze. See ya. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Sorry, guys, for such a grim uh, hour. God almighty. So, I got to say what I think, and that's what I think. Talk to you tomorrow. I'll try to find something slightly more uplifting. Would that be? I don't know. I'll work on it. Be safe. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.